Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hi, and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. I'm Luke Marshall, technical writer for MBUK and Bike Radar. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about our Bike of the Year test. So joining me are two of the testers, technical editor Tom Marvin and technical editor Alex Evans. How are you guys doing? I'm all right, thank you, Luke. Yeah, getting on not too bad. How about you, Al? Absolutely brilliant. Um, really impressed with Luke's third third go at uh, introduction <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, and also, because this is a podcast, but I think it's definitely worth saying to our dear listeners we have implemented a hands-up system for when we are about to talk. Um, so currently, Tom is about to raise his hand. He's put it in the air and he's going to talk. Oh, it's in the air. Uh, so we've instigated a wave if we're going to interrupt uh, and a hand up if we're going to uh, jet in. Um, the issues we're having is, is because MS Teams is not the smoothest operator in the world. Um, but I think we're going to be all right. Uh, Luke, how are you getting on today? You all right? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, Good. thrilled it, to it, be hosting my first podcast. It feels like MS Teams has just got back to working because as you spoke, uh, the screen moved with your mouth. <laughs> so maybe we're, maybe we're back on track again. This will go a bit smoother, hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. So we should mention today that um, our technical editor-in-chief, Rob Weaver, who heads up the Enduro bike category, isn't able to be here. So we're going to try and muddle our way through his uh, his results from the Bike of the Year test as well. But uh, apologize if that doesn't go so smoothly. So um, uh, let's crack into it. Let's crack on with it then. So can one of you tell us a little bit about what our Bike of the Year test is for those listeners and readers who might not know? Well, this is actually my uh, first ever Bike of the Year test. 
So um, I kind of feel like maybe I, I just want to butt in and, and be be all proud of what it is that I've done. Uh, but actually, Tom, Tom's probably our longest standing bike of the year tester, having done so when uh, What Mountain Bike was a part of the immediate media, our media um, stable. And it still is. It's made a resurgence. <laughs> yeah, it it, it's back. It's back. If you head to your local WH Smiths, uh, you can find a one-off What Mountain Bike. Um, I think it's going to be... I, I should know how it's being sold because I edited the magazine, but... Um, it's been sold, I think, packaged up with an MBUK uh, and also uh, on its own in selected stores nationwide. Well, there you go. So our, our bike of the year test is is basically um, <clears throat> we we put we pit against each other the most important, most available this year, which has been a, definitely a definitely a thing. Uh, bikes uh, in in their respective categories to find out which is the one that's most worthy of your cash. And uh, and just to interrupt you there. What categories are there? What have you guys split it up as? Well, this year it's it's been a it's been an interesting one. Um, so usually there's there's trail and enduro with you know the, the trail the like the, the longest travel trail bikes almost encroaching on the enduro bikes and the enduro bikes almost like the shortest travel ones almost being trail bikes but this year we've kind of split it up a bit differently haven't we tom yeah a little bit so we we obviously rob uh took hold of the enduro bike of the year test and that was kind of well 150 but mostly like 160 to 180 more travel bikes um aggressive enduro race bikes for getting down a hill as fast as possible um we did trail bike of the year this year and the original goal was really to keep it to sort of the lighter weight, lower travel bikes so 120 130 kind of 140 but on a lighter scale um didn't quite work out quite that way because of bike availability and the way specs change year on year. And obviously, uh, we plan this well in advance um, of some, well, we, we plan it in advance of sometimes bikes being fully specced up for the year coming. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, 120 to 140 more trail bikes. Uh, and then your e-bike of the year test. This is the first time we've done e-bike of the year. Um, uh, so yeah, what what bikes were you sort of popping? Are they all full fat ones or did you go for some lighter weight ones? How are you trying to pitch it yeah so definitely um I, I went for full fat full fat e-bikes um mostly because there, there's a larger larger depth of product out there um you know there's still actually quite a limited number of of uh, lightweight e-bikes for sale so full fat ones made sense you know bigger category to compare um but also i, I personally think that you know these are kind of the bikes that people are buying these are the ones that people are going for um Travel. Oh, Luke's Luke's given a hand wave. That means he's going to interject. Go. I, I was just going to ask you about the travel options. Obviously, four fight e bikes span quite a range of of travel ranges, for want of a better term. Um, how how did you narrow it down? How did you select it? What did you go for? Yeah, tr- tricky one. The travel range on e bikes ranges with travel ranging between different ranges. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was there a Norco range involved? As well? oh, there wasn't, unfortunately. Ah, oh, that would have been good. It's not an e-bike. <clears throat> um, no, but basically I kind of went like all mountain to enduro. It, it's kind of like e-bikes, it's a weird thing because, you know, even if you're going out trail riding on an e-bike, you're probably going to want more travel because you're not suffering having a weight penalty with, you know, bigger dampers, longer travel bikes. Um, I went for 150 mil plus, basically, and the longest travel was 180. So the kind of bikes that you can ride anywhere. These are true mountain bikes. I think back in the day, we would have just called them mountain bikes. 
Um, with got motor. motor. Yeah, here we go. I knew that was coming. <laughs> it's too easy. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at with with the travel. Um, yeah, I know Rob's e-bike, Rob's e-bikes, Rob's enduro bikes um, are, are pretty similar actually in 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 terms of travel. Okay, great. So, um, so should we go have a quick run through of the list of bikes that you guys included in your test? Then, can you let us know what's what's in there? Certainly can. I'm just opening up my uh, uh, spreadsheet with all my bikes in. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the top three, I guess, um, as like the focus. Um, of what we're going to talk about, but that's not to say that the the bikes that are in inverted commas the bottom five that it doesn't really it's not that's not a fair representation uh, I don't think. But the uh, so the bikes that are in my test um, in the order that they are in my spreadsheet are the YT Iso Core Two, uh, the Kona Process One Three Four DL, Specialized Stump Jumper Comp, uh, the Cube Stereo One Twenty HPC TM Twenty Nine. Uh, Nuke Proofs Reactor 290 Alloy Pro, the Trek Top Fuel 8, the Vetus Escarp 29 CRX, and Canyon's pretty radical Spectral 125 CF7. Uh, I, I feel like what Tom's just done there is uh, spreadsheet ASMR. So the, <laughs> the words that he was saying, they could have been nonsensical, but with that lovely dulcet, dulcet tones, um, <laughs> I feel incredibly soothed now after, after the, Tom rattled off that list of bikes. Do you want me to read you the even longer list of bikes that I asked for but didn't get hold of? <laughs> <laughs> Can we just do it before bedtime, please? Yeah, <laughs> like the shipping forecast. Uh, and one thing with that, Tom, about your list there, was there any price limits that you, could, uh, that you set or was that kind of thrown out the window with availability issues or...? No, I'm pretty proud of myself. I kept um, my price bracket did grow. Um, you know, like it grew once because uh, it meant that it would be more possible to get hold of bikes, and it grew once because the bikes that had already arrived changed in price. Um, so my cheapest bike was three thousand three hundred pounds, um, and that would have been the Cube uh, two uh, three two nine nine. Uh, and the most expensive bike was the Vitus Escarp, which came in at um, a penny under four thousand pounds. So basically, uh, three three to four thousand. Okay, fair, a reasonable spread. They're not too like too far apart, hey, too distant from each other. Yeah, so. yeah, all comparable. Most of them hung around the three thousand seven hundred, three thousand eight hundred pound mark. And how about you, Al? What's on your list? Uh, well, unfortunately, my, my voice isn't quite as nice as Tom's, so um, I, I'll maybe do this a little quicker. Um, I got the Specialized Turbo Levo Comp Alloy, Nukeproofs Megawatt 297 Factory, Scott Ransom E-Ride 910, White's E-180 RS V3, the Giant Rain E plus one, YT's Decoy Core 4, Saracen's Aerial 50 Elite and the Mondraker Level R. So quite a stacked list. Um, I think one of the nice things that worked out with this year's test is, you know, we... Back when What Mountain Bike RRP uh, did its Bike of the Year test, you know, we would be testing, or to be honest, Guy Kesterman largely would be testing 20, 25 different bikes, and we'd be turning away bikes. Um, when we decided to do more categories, when MBUK took over the Bike of the Year mantle, uh, we cut it down to uh, less than that, 10 to 15, I think, in the first year or two. And, and then it sort of went down to about 10, just because if you're trying to fit you can't fit 40 50 bike reviews in one magazine so we we became a bit more selective i guess um and obviously the past couple of years have been you know it's been an absolute you know nightmare for everyone involved in the bike industry and you know customers alike trying to get hold of bikes as we all know has been really really difficult um so i'm actually pretty impressed that 
uh, we managed to run three uh, independent tests this year, and it just worked out that each of them had eight bikes in per category, um, which I think is quite nice, really. Okay, it would be nice to have done 10, and, you know, as I say, I asked for in the region of 25 bikes and, and got hold of eight. Um, but, yeah, I think it's quite cool that we, we all ended up with eight bikes per thing, and we made a really good test of it. Um, I know there's a couple of extra enduro bikes that didn't quite make it in the test for various reasons, but, um, yeah, yeah, eight per category. That's a that's a lovely bit of self congratulatory praise there, Tom. I I like it, and I'm also basking in it. So thank you for that. <laughs> that's quite all right. We have to sing our own trumpet sometimes. <laughs> so, can you guys give us then any details about uh, the testing process? Then you said you managed to get the eight bikes, and I was pretty pleased with that. And um, it's quite a good selection of bikes. But how do you go about testing eight bikes? Yeah, I mean the the process for us for Bike of Year starts in in August, um, and for context, it went to print in April uh, and will be on sale in May. So it's, it is it doesn't take up all our year, but it takes up you know it's, it's on our minds for a, cons- a significant portion of our year. And we, throughout the year, we're always keeping on top of new bikes that are being launched, ones that you know maybe have tested well as a first ride or have done well in bike tests. Um, so we're always sort of in the back of our minds thinking, oh, this bike could be relevant for our bike of the year tests. So come August, September, we'll start putting together our long lists. We'll be speaking to with each other about, you know, has this bike changed for the upcoming year? Is it a new model or is it one that we've actually already reviewed um, and maybe we don't need to touch on again? And this is one of the reasons why, you know, for example, the, the winner for my test last year, the Bird Ether 9, isn't in this year's test because it hasn't changed. Um, and, you know, the review that I wrote last year, is still entirely relevant and it's still a brilliant, brilliant bike. Um, so we, we, you know, we start constructing our long list and we'll be approaching uh, bike companies in October, November, and saying, "Hey, you know, we've got a bike of the year test. It's it's a very well established test now. You don't, we don't need to introduce it to anyone. Um, can we get hold of this bike? And we'll, we'll start that conversation uh, with the brands um, about getting hold of the bikes, the price points that they're going to be coming, any potential changes to price points and, and models if they've not already announced the next year's builds or, or models, and maybe if they've got another bike, you know, due to be launched early in the year, you know, in the middle of our testing, you know, we might be able to get a little bit of inside information. And say, well, you know." In sort of January, we're going to be launching a brand new trail bike. Maybe we can get you that bike ahead of time. So that happened with me with the Spectral 125, for example. Um, that bike hadn't been announced when I first approached them. Um, but they said, oh, hold fire. We've got something that's going to be really interesting for you. So that's how we sort of the, the preamble goes. And, you know, and then, and then over sort of the course of winter, you know, November, December, January, ideally will be it. those bikes will be being sent to us. Um, and we'll start, you know, measuring up. We'll be weighing them. We'll be sort of checking specs and, and all that sort of thing. So that's that's the start of the, the testing process. Uh, Al, do you want to sort of talk about, you know, obviously I'll, I guess I'll chip in as well. But when it comes to the actual physical testing of the bike, how you went about it? Yeah, it involved a a lot of cleaning, a lot of chain lube, <laughs> uh, a lot of head scratching as well. Actually, it's you know, it's an interesting one. Um, there's definitely a lot to be said for riding bikes back to back. You know, it's mm. it's easy to go out and test one bike as a standalone thing. And, you know, you can actually paint quite an accurate picture of, of how that bike feels and how it rides. But contextually, when you ride eight bikes back to back with one another, unless they're e-bikes, you're, firstly, you're absolutely knackered because that's a lot of riding. But secondly, you actually build up this really interesting and quite dynamic picture of how they all compare to one another and where they're good, where they're bad, where they're kind of average. 
and the things that maybe you'd like to do to try and improve or find out about each of those little individual quirks. So from my perspective, I'd frequently go out with either four or eight of bikes of the bikes at once and ride all four of them and ride all eight of them back to back and actually go out, find a track, find one trail and, and do 16 laps of it and just ride them all back to back. And, and by the end of that kind of test session, you've learned so much that you can then go away and ride the bikes on an individual basis without having to clean all eight of them in one hit and actually drill down into the nitty gritty bits of, of what it is that's either causing a problem or, you know, creating that je ne sais quoi, like the, oh yeah, I know Tom's nodding, nice, amazing nice. accent. Um, you know, that like kind of thing that they've got that, that actually you're like, holy moly, this bike is the best thing I've ever ridden in my life. Um, in, oh, yes. Hello, Luke, with your hand wave. I don't know. I wasn't going to interrupt. That was uh, just to um, prepare you for, I was going to say, with um, with mentioning about the je ne sais quoi of a few of the bikes there, and I didn't know if it was good to try and run through a few of the, the top three then of, uh, of each of the trail bike and the e-bike of the year. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that. I wanted to just sort of ask Al actually on, on his test loops um, before we maybe jump onto the actual individual bikes. Do you, do you have any specific sort of tracks that you go back to on a consistent basis? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've probably, I mean, there's maybe four or five quite very specific tracks that, that I like to test on. Um, and in my opinion, these tracks, they encompass everything that a bike should do well. So one of them's really steep, one of them's really fast, one of them's flat, one of them's pedally, you know, and the other ones are kind of somewhere in the middle between all those different things with, you know, high speed sections, slow speed sections. And the idea is to see what the bikes are like on the biggest gamut of, of terrain types and trail types, because that is the only way that, you know, we're going to be able to tell you, our dear listeners, which ones we think are the best bikes and why exactly. And I suspect mm. it's, it's the same for you, Tom. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah with the trail bikes, it's it feels like it's quite a varied uh, remit of what what's needed. So I've we 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 partner with Bike Park Wales with one of their sponsors. So we're really lucky that we can we can head up there and do some laps. And I've got one specific way down the hill that I must have ridden, God knows how many times over the years. Um, if you you know if you know Bike Park Wales, I go down Vicious Valley starts off with some berms and some jumps and then it goes into like a rooty traversy section with some steps and some knobbly routes to pop up and over 
then you can pick up some speed, little road gaps, that sort of thing, and then a bit of pedaling and a climb in the middle of the track, which you know, is real useful. And then I'll drop into surfing bird, uh, a bit faster, a bit more open on some you know mud as opposed to you know like hardcore sort of built tracks. Uh, and then I go down deep navigation, which is just a jumbled mass of rocks that inevitably fly up and hit me in the shin. Um, and that's sort of one of my, you know, I take every bike down that a couple of times because I know it so well. Um, and then as I say, there are other sort of test loops and tracks that in the Forest of Dean and in South Wales, I'll make sure I always take the bikes down and say that back to back is really key for picking out the differences. And I guess from when, when you get sort of like a rough idea of how the bikes are performing, how, you know, which ones you like, which you don't like, or maybe like, oh, this bike feels great here, but it doesn't feel so good here. You can then tune and tailor those test laps to really nail down those details. So I'll know that, you know, if I've got a bike that maybe doesn't handle, or doesn't feel so good on a certain particular bit of bike park wells, I'll, I'll know to take it to a little bit of the FOD or, or down to Kumkan or Risk or something and rattle it off something else there where I know you can sort of really dial down on those little details that you actually want to find out about. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, it's genuinely really interesting when you're doing it. You know, it's, it's fascinating. And taking a bike that you think doesn't work very well somewhere making a few changes to it and then suddenly it's, it's a completely different beast and and without being able to ride the same tracks again and again and again you wouldn't necessarily find that out about something um and then you know we, we wouldn't be able to give such um amazing insight did you guys have to make many uh like setup changes to the bikes to get them to feel good but any were more difficult to get feeling how you wanted and easier to set up um I, I think for me actually one of the things that surprised me the most was opting to put a couple of the bikes in their high geometry settings rather than the longer slacker lower geometry settings and one of the things that i learned from the evening no way out yeah, no I way know. you did that i don't I believe it it's bonkers it's bonkers like honestly i i never thought that that would be something that i'd I'd be like, oh my god! The bike was too low, long, and slack for you, Al. That's... Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so what? What I learned was that there was actually a, a bit of a sweet spot that was like a, um, a matrix of weight, geometry, um, and and kind of ride basically, and and where the bikes were too heavy or heavier. Sorry, having really slack geometry was a total hindrance, and it's almost like on an e-bike if you've got a high weight, you almost need slightly more conservative or steeper geometry to compensate for the weight because the weight then makes it stable, but the geometry makes it unstable. So you sit somewhere in the middle. Um, and, you know, it was, it was quite interesting. It's probably, <clears throat> excuse me, this is probably why I like more uh, conservative geometry than our, that maybe I'm a bit more rounder in the midsection. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a it's a it's the whole kind of bike and rider system that's uh, <laughs> needs it. Ah, interesting point though. Yeah, so yeah. That's something to take into consideration. Yeah, well. uh, there's definitely a sweet spot for e-bikes around twenty four and a half kilos and between sixty four and sixty three degree head angle. Um, Wheelbase is around twelve eighty ish millimeters, um, and chain stays kind of somewhere four forty four forty five. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting little sweet spot. I think in terms of my test bikes, there was nothing that really uh, sprung out. I guess what sprung out most was sort of the variety of bikes that are on offer uh, and the the breadth of which my sort of trail bikes uh, spanned. But in terms of sort of setting up and and likes, there you know, it, 
it's 2022 now. We're not talking like late nineties, early two thousands, where lots of new techs coming in and everything's everyone's getting to grips with how things work. Like it feels to me, we've discussed about oh, did we find any trends and all this sort of stuff, which I'm not I'm not a big fan of talking about because I'm not very good at spotting trends. But my trend would be now like bikes bikes are all pretty good. Like companies know how to make a good bike. It's certainly in sort of the trail sector, it's it's an established sort of type of bike really. Um, in terms of setting them up. I didn't have any any issues at all, really. Very, very easy to set up. I mean, they all came with either Fox or Rockshot suspension, which you know, it's not like it's something wild out there with a million different options. It's put some air in and twiddle to your favourite settings and go. Um, yeah, I'd say I had a pretty easy life. All right. Well, as you were saying, all bikes were pretty good. I'm going to use Al's favourite word and segue on to maybe you could tell us a little bit about the, the top three bikes in each category. Go on, then. I'll... Uh... I'll tell you my top three. Do, do you want them in um, their order of of winningness? All right, three, two, one. Okay. Let's, right. let's, let's build the suspense. Okay. All right, then. So number three was actually a bit of a surprise. It, it kind of jumped out at me, this one. Um, I wasn't expecting it to, to do so well. Um, it's the Mondraker Level R. No way. Way. I know. Who would have thought it? Mind completely <laughs> blown. So there are a few things that kind of puzzled me a little bit with this bike actually firstly was its 27.27 kilo weight figure which is by far and away the heaviest bike on test You're completely contradicting what you said about two minutes ago about a sweet spot hang on ah but and and then this is this is where it got interesting so the, the 27.27 weight figure is combined with a 65 degree head angle so a little bit steeper it's got downhill casing max grip tires so that's where quite a bit of the weight is um but yeah, it, so the, this bike really surprised me. It, its suspension was surprisingly supportive. It was, you know, it was it was really good despite being one of the more linearly um, linear kinematics um, in the test. But actually, it was it was really good. And the large bottom out bumper on the Fox DHX2 shock uh, really helps there with you know not blowing through the travel. Um, it's actually reasonable value compared to all the other bikes on test. It was one pound under six grand, so five nine 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 nine. Um, maybe too many nines there, but you know you get the, you get the number. Um, and it was fitted with Fox's Grip, not Grip Two damper thirty eight four, which is a slightly more basic one, but arguably the better one. Um, which is I'm not going to argue with that. I'm going to agree every step yeah. of the way. I think yeah. Luke would as well. I, I think we've uh, had this discussion lately around the office that we uh, we will probably prefer a grip damper over a grip two damper. Yeah, which is which is funny because uh, previously it used to be the absolute other way where the grip damper was just like what is this, and the grip two was amazing. But I think Fox have have maybe overdamped the the grip two, and the grip now sits in the sweet spot. So anyway, this Mondraker, it's got the 750 watt hour battery from, from Bosch with a performance line CX motor, the smart system with a Kiox 300 display. Um, so it's got Bluetooth connectivity and all that other jazz. And I was, I was just really impressed with it. You know, I thought it was a whole bike. It was genuinely good, despite its 27.27 weight figure. You could ride it all day long. Um, it was really comfortable, super supple. Um, and it shone on the descent. Like descending, it was amazing. It really was really, really good. Not as good as, oh, go on, Luke. I was going to say, even with its 65-degree uh, head tube angle out. Yeah, I know. Even with that. So so th- th- there's a bit of thinking behind this. Um, 
the short stem attached to the mandrake with their forward geometry, um, combined with the head angle, but a long reach, a long wheelbase, and long chainstays. They all kind of culminated in a in a really balanced package. Where if you'd have stuck that head angle on one with a short reach and a short wheelbase, you'd have probably been like, actually, this is this is too twitchy. This is this is too much for the for what the bike's designed to do. But then you add in the extra weight figure and the stability and the downhill tires and the max grip compound, and you've got this real melting pot of of numbers that all work cohesively together. Whereas if you looked at any one of them as a standout figure, as as Tom did straight away with the the quip, the horrible quip <laughs> that, that's really hurt me about contradicting myself with the the sweet spot weight, you know, which is fair enough. Um, and yeah, you know, I was I was really impressed. Um, sorry, I've rabbited on quite a long while about that. Then it's not even the winning bike. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what was in runner-up place for you there? Now, what did it not beat the Mondraker? That it it didn't beat the white E one eighty RS V three. And actually, if I'm being honest, this bike and the winning bike were almost inseparable in terms of everything, basically. They're different bikes to ride, but their performance is is very comparable with each other. That They may be better in different places, but that level of performance is really good. And the winner flip-flopped between the white and the winning bike. Like it, I was constantly day in, day out. I was like, it's the white. And then I was like, no, it's not. It's the other one. And then I was flipping back again. And what the white does really well is it goes fast and it goes fast everywhere. And you have to be riding 110% and then it feels incredible. Like it's got Fox factory suspension front and back. It's got... DT Swiss's HX1700 wheels, it's got SRAM code brakes, it's got X01 drivetrain, you know, it's it's really well specced and it's got modern geometry, you know, it had a slack 60 something degree, 63 degree head angle, which is actually one of the bikes that I ran in its high geometry setting because I couldn't I couldn't cope. It was just too much. I was going mm. too fast everywhere. And and does it have a high price tag? So the white actually increased during the test period. So when I ordered this bike back in September or whenever it was, October, it was £7,250, but that rose to 7699 during the test period, which is, you know, a fair chunk. And that was actually one of the factors as to why I couldn't let the bike win, because it began to represent less value for money compared to the winner, which was incredibly similarly spec'd. Um, so if you're looking for an incredibly fast downhill focused bike with 650B wheels front and back, I might add, mm. not even a mullet setup, it's a full 650B bike. The white has to be up there. Like it is insanely quick, uh, which segues, huh? Do you like it, Luke? Nice. Onto the winner. So this year's e-bike of the year 2022, which is our inaugural e-bike of the year test was or is sorry new proofs megawatt 297 factory open brackets xt close brackets and this bike basically won because it managed to blend speed fun comfort value spec battery life motorness incredible general stuff and good things all together 
kind of like the Mondraker in like one big melting pot of awesome. Every time I went out on a bike, I wanted to go back out on it. It was so much fun to ride. It was just poppy, playful, stable, flicky, all of the amazing cliches that, you know, bike testers and editors can come up with. The Nuke Proof was those things. I was genuinely really impressed. And costing uh, one pound under seven grand. Well, sorry, one P under seven grand. It's it's got 99P on the end of its 6,999 um, it actually represents pretty good value with Fox factory suspension, the DT Swiss HX 1700 wheels, XT drivetrain, which is why you've got the XT in the brackets, uh, branded components throughout. You know, there's there's little little to moan about. I mean, genuinely nothing. So that's the bike. Out of all of them, then, you know, you, with all them lined up, the eight of them there, that's the one you'd go and pick every time. Absolutely, 100%. And, it, you know, it was close. It was close between that and the white. But that extra bit of value, you know, that 720 quid or whatever, it is cheaper with a pretty similar spec. Um, and it didn't need to be ridden at nine-tenths all the time. You could back off and still have fun on it. And I think that was quite important in deciding it being the ultimate winner in that, you know, not everyone's a racer, not everyone's interested in speed. Quite a lot of people are interested in having fun or just razzing around a trail centre-style trail. And the new proof, you know, it, it delivered. It really delivered. An amazing bike, incredible bike. With that summary, it seems like, uh, yeah, it's pretty. Even though you said you debated it, it seems quite clear cut. You were, uh, you were pretty thrilled on that one. So a deserved winner by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I did debate it, and I, I think what what happened was is, is I had an out of body experience, and I, I thought of I thought of uh, I thought of the winner in in terms of what other people would want. And from my personal perspective, yeah, it was really close cut. And, and that's why they, they both scored four and a half stars out of five. But I think from, you know, looking from the outside in, if I had put myself in the place of a, a paying customer, um, it, it was the nuke proof and, and that's why it won. Fair enough, fair enough. Makes full sense. Okay, Tom, how about you? Can uh, you give us a rundown of your top three then? Mm. So the I, I opened my top three gambit in MVUK by saying that the the forks plugged into the top three bikes of uh, my trail bike of the year really sort of represent just the breadth of what what constitutes a trail bike in twenty twenty two. So the it, the the top three bikes included a Lyric, a Pike, and a Sid. And obviously the SID has, you know, got its uh, DNA in cross-country racing. The Pike is like a true trail bike uh, and the Lyric is an enduro fork. So that really sort of demonstrated how broad trail bikes can be. And I didn't, you know, like in my trail bike, I I like to sort of represent um, a broad mix of bikes in the top three because, you know, it's such a, you know, people want different things from their trail bikes. And, you know, like I would never, you know, if there was one super lightweight bike in trail bike of the year, uh, and it wasn't great. I wouldn't shoehorn it into a top three, but certainly, uh, I think it. You know, I like to. Re- yeah, I, I like to give that representation. But um, so anyway, I blathered. The top three bikes. <laughs> the third bike, uh, the bike that sort of came third in the test, um, comes with a pike, and that makes it sound like a super traditional trail bike. But really, it's anything but a traditional trail bike. It is the Canyon Spectral One Two Five CF Seven. Which, which, uh, which has uh, their marketing department said quite specifically, this is not a downcountry bike, oh, right? Please, yeah. Th- there's been a lot of chat um, on whether it's on forums or about this. Oh, is it you know a reaction to downcountry? Is it like they're they're down? It's not. 
it's just a trail bike with a little bit less travel and it's very succinct from a downcountry bike in my opinion um it's got an aggressive set shape super aggressive shape so slack head angle it's got a long reach low bb it's 29er uh, it comes with a 140 mil, um, either a Pike or a 36 if you end up with a Fox build. Um, you know, the Fox one's got a piggyback shock on there as well. Um, and it, it's just a rad little trail bike. It's an absolute hooligan. Like, it just really pushes you to uh, act in, in ways that aren't particularly refined. So it's you know it's got tons of pops, so you can just pop off anything you see. It really wants you to like square it into a corner and pull skids and just be a bit naughty on the trail, really. And it's just like it was hilarious to ride. It just wasn't you know it, it's not an all rounder, which is why it didn't win. You know, stick it on like really steep technical stuff, brilliant. Drop it into like a catch berm, brilliant. Hoon it round uh, like a, a fairly descent orientated but smooth track, and you just jump for days it was really fun to ride but as an all-round trail bike it it lacked in certain areas like there are bikes that probably climb a touch better although it's not super wally i guess it's not particularly smooth um it rattles through stuff quite a lot which i think a lot of people maybe wouldn't want but you've just got to ride it aggressively to sort of get through that um and yeah yeah i just i really liked it I just didn't think it was perfect. I also found that the suspension dampers didn't feel amazing. Um, select plus fork and a basic deluxe shock. Um, it just wasn't like a sofa-like ride. It wasn't super smooth. Um, so that's why it didn't sort of like score like a four and a half. It was a solid four, but maybe not a winning bike. What 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 were you wanting to say, Al? I'm just wondering what sort of person would would probably benefit from having this bike? What type of rider? I think like if you see yourself as a bit of a jibber, you know, you want to like muck around and play. You're not looking for like an all day ride. You're not looking for like the most supple, smooth insulation from the ground. You don't mind a bike that gives you a bit of feedback. You want to hit some jumps or you want to go and ride some real steep stuff. It was that intermediate kind of trail, like a classic trail bike trail where it didn't particularly work super well, I would say. Um, but at the extremes of those bell curves, like bike park or super gnarly steep like Megatech, really good. Um, the other thing that actually made it maybe not win was that the the model below, so the CF7 is the, the entry-level carbon one. The top AL6 is definitely the one I'd go and buy um, for a couple of reasons. First off, I think the, rock, uh, the Fox suspension on the AL6 is better. Um, it's performance level, but you get that grip damper that we talked about, which I think just probably just feels slightly better than the Select Plus Pike. Um, and 36, you know, if you're going to go and ride that real steep stuff, I think the, the chassis of the 36 is a touch better than the Pike. Um, and it gets that dual can uh, shock at the back, gets like a, a decent uh, drivetrain. I think it's one step below. Oh, no, the, the, the one I had came with GX Eagle. The AL6, I think, is an SLX. And to be honest, I'd rather have SLX. Um, and the SLX four-pot brakes are better than the... And the brakes that are on that, I think it was a Code RS, and I think I'd probably opt for an SLX as long as you got one which was really consistent. I just think it's a great build. The other thing about the AL bikes is that they get one geometry. So the CF bikes get a geometry flip chip, right, which gives you either a higher or low setting. In the high setting, you get a steeper seat angle, you get a slightly higher bottom bracket, and you get a steeper head angle uh, but a, and a touch longer reach. 
In the low setting, you get a slightly shorter reach because geometry. You get a slacker head angle, slacker seat angle, lower BB. The AL one, it gets a steep seat angle, the low BB, the long reach, and the slack head angle. So, like, basically, I, I don't think anyone's ever going to really ride the, the CF in the high setting. I don't know why you would. It's, you know, okay, you get a slightly longer reach, but everything else is not quite as good. Whereas the AL gets the best of both worlds. You get the steeper seat angle for the good pedaling. You get the longer reach. You get the slack hand angle. You get the low BB. And I just think that the AL6 is it's probably the bike I would go and buy. Um, so that's why I didn't win that. Is that. I think that's fair. Next up, number two. Uh, oh, go on now. Uh, go on, Luke. Oh, no, I was going to say, good consumer advice there. There we are. <laughs> no, that's what we're here for. That is what we're here for. Um, uh, so the next up, uh, number two position was the Nuke Proof Reactor 290 Alloy Pro. Um, in a lovely red colour. In a lo- beautiful bike. It's a cool bike. Um, it comes with a Lyric. 130 with the Enduro the forks on there. With the Enduro fork on there. Um, and... Very similar in some ways to the spectral as to who's going to like it. Me- like medium grade trails, pretty rubbish. Oh, pretty rubbish. It's not great. Um, climbing, pretty heavy, a little bit sluggish. Not great, really, up a hill. Probably the worst in the test up a hill, I'd say. Um, but if you're that kind of rider that likes steep, rough, fast tech, this bike was an absolute rocket ship. You've got a really authoritative, burly, strong fork at the front with, you know, though it's the same select plus, it, it feels better than the Pike. Um, I'm not 100% sure. It might, maybe I just got a Friday afternoon Pike, but it didn't feel amazing on, on that bike. But the Lyric on the on the, on the the reactor felt great. Um, you've got a dual can super deluxe shock, which just absolute consistency. If you're going to go and ride really long, hot, fast ascents where they take it to the Alps or whatever, that shock's going to stay consistent. The geometry is long, it's slack, it's low, it's confident. The tyres are grippy as anything. Um, although the, I think the casings maybe wanted looking at. But basically, like, a super confident descending trail bike. So if you live somewhere steep, you're happy to winch up a hill, not particularly fast, and just, like, hammer the descents. Like, of the trail bikes in my test, that was the one I would pick. Closely followed maybe by the Vitas Escarp, um, but for uh, that had the Fox suspension, which just didn't feel as good, and therefore it didn't actually quite make the grade. But I thought the reactor was great. The reason why the reactor didn't win, twofold. One, a, a trail bike has to be an all-rounder. It really has to be an all-rounder to be, like, the absolute trail bike of the year. And on anything other than really steep, fast, Heck, it just felt a bit too heavy, a bit too sluggish. You needed to put a lot of effort in to get more out of it. And like you're saying, Al, with one of your e-bikes, with the white, it works best when you're really hammering, but didn't work particularly well when you weren't. And that's why it didn't sort of come out. Go on, on. Yeah, that's interesting. Do, do you think, had you had the lighter weight spec reactor, uh, its name that now escapes me, would have yes, it would, or something. yeah maybe and it's got like a was it a fox 34 on the front mm. maybe um that one would have potentially done better or not it it might it, it might have done better but then at the same time like so i got the yt iso core which came with like a slightly lighter weight build and that i felt the, the standard isos from which i rode a year or so ago were a better bike for it so i i don't know i'd need to ride it but it just felt it didn't have the zing it didn't have the reactivity it didn't have like the all round, let's go out and just like go and have a bit of fun on this trail center blue. You know, if you ride it around trail center blue, which you do as part of my testing, because that's where people ride trail bikes, it just didn't have 
that uh, that winning edge. The other reason why it didn't come top was every time I rode it, I was riding up a hill, but <laughs> hard work. And Did then it you ride it downhill. It, it was raining, right? <laughs> it was always raining. <laughs> and then I'm pointing it down a hill. I'm like, oh man, this is amazing. You know, take it to some steep stuff in South Wales. This is wicked. This is wicked. And then I'm, you hit something big and you're like, oh, clank, 130 mil of travel. And you're like, but the effort it's taken me to get to the top of the hill, why am I not just riding a mega? You know, like, I don't think the mega's much worse up a hill. And you got another twenty odd mil of travel, or another thirty mil of travel, and you're like, that's going to give you that little bit more of a get out of jail card. Um, and so, I think the reactor's great downhill. Just every time I rode it, I thought well, I could be riding a mega. I wonder so how many. I, I wonder how many people riding megas uh, are saying that wish they were riding a giga. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah, it's a. You know, but if you want that kind of bike, why not yeah. just buy an enduro bike? Yeah. Because I don't think you buy a trail bike to have one that's. Harder work up a hill than it needs to be. So then, Tom, what is the number one bike in your test set? What did tick as many boxes as possible? Well, by a process of elimination, having talked about a bike with a pike and having talked about a bike with a lyric and having mentioned the RockShox SID, the bike that won was a Trek Top Fuel 8. And yes, it comes with a SID, which, yes, was like an XC race fork only a year or two ago. But now, with its rebuilt 35mm stanchions, and okay, limited to 120mm of travel, is, I guess it's it's a downcountry fork in all but, well, I guess people were going to think it's a downcountry fork these days. And that makes people think, look at the Trek Top Fuel 8, and you know it comes under the cross-country section of Trek's website. But um, I, I don't think it's a downcountry bike. I think it's a really good trail bike. Um, and yeah, so that the Trek Top Fuel 8 won. Say no more. <laughs> yeah, say no more. There we are. It's uh, um, so where did it shine then, and where were its hiccups? Say so everything else kind of had a bit of pros yeah. and cons. How about the Trek Top Eight? Tech, yeah, and Trek no bike Top is, Fuel Eight. No bike is perfect. Um, and so the the, the Top Fuel Eight has some cons. First off, like it's one hundred and twenty mil travel bike. Okay, front and back one hundred and twenty mil. So if you're going to go and hit stuff where say the nuke proof really shined, it'll do it. Like, and I did do it. Um, but it takes a bit more thought. You can't just let off the brakes, point it towards you know the next corner and, and hang on and hope. You've got to be a bit more considered as to your line choice and where you're going to take it and how you're going to ride over bigger, clunkier things. Because, you know, 120 mil of travel is, um, and it isn't like super sofa-like. You know, the, the reactor has that horrible cliche of feeling like it's got more travel than it has. The, the top fuel doesn't. It feels like it's got 120 mil of travel. Um, but it's very well delivered. It's very well controlled. And that fork, the SID fork, it came with a Rush RL damper. It's the basic entry-level SID. It's an OEM spec-only SID. But it felt really good. Like, it didn't spike. It ramps up nicely. It's got good support. It just deals with its limited travel really well. And with a 35mm chassis, you know, it probably is a bit twangier than a, than a SID, uh, than a than a Pike and a, and a Lyric. And when you really hammer it into a rock garden, yeah, it's not as structurally stout as as those bigger forks are. But it doesn't twist and twang and, and feel unpredictable at all. It actually deals with it very well. And it sticks to the floor. Like uh, It just seems to give loads of grip. Um, the bike comes with the Bontrager's XR4 tyres, which is sort of like a... They've got a fairly aggressive-looking tread, but it's quite a low-tread block. So it rolls quite nicely. Um, so while it does have grip, it doesn't drag so much. So combine that with fairly stable rear suspension um you know an easily accessible lockout the bike climbs pretty well um and also yeah it's 
it seems to descend well. The suspension works well. The geometry in it's great, like 480 reach, 66 or something head angle. Like it's not, it's got trail back geometry. Um, and so it just seemed to do everything well. The reason why I guess it isn't a down country bike is in my eyes, at least is a, it's heavy. Like I can't remember the weight it was, but it's, it's a couple of kilos heavier than sort of like the, you know, the best down country bikes would be with similar shapes and the suspension. It's just, it's a bit of a lump. Um, and that kind of kills its little zingy. Like you, you're not gonna, you know, I mean, you could, but I wouldn't pick out the garage to go to a cross country race on, you know, like where some down country bikes have ridden, you'd be like, yeah, I could probably race cross country in this and I could probably go and rattle down round trail center on this. Like the, the check top feel does feel has, it has that sort of planted feel of a trail bike rather than the zingy zippy, super reactive feel of like a true down country bike. Um, but yeah, just maybe sort of really think, you know, like people look at numbers all the time. How much fork travel has it got? How much shock travel has it got? I think actually what you need to think about is how good is that travel when it comes to a trail bike. Um, and that's why, you know, like it was a bike that every, everyone went on it. You know, quite a few people rode it. It been in Will Sof's hand for a little while. Um, Rach, who was one of our models at Bike of the Year, rode it. Uh, various friends of mine rode it and everyone came back thinking, wow, yeah, this is wicked. It's just like so much fun. And that's what you want from a trail bike. You know, enduro bikes might need to go fast down a hill that's what you're looking for on a trail bike. You're looking for fun. You're looking for a bike that can do pretty much everything. Maybe not everything amazingly, but does pretty much everything. And I just felt that the, the, the Trek did that. And I thought it was bloody great. So it sounds like a kind of like your, your true mountain bike as mountain bike. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. Like you, you know, could go out and do like big rides. I could, I'd happily pick that bike and do an eight hour ride on it. Like happily do that. And it was wicked at Bike Park Wales. Like, it's hilarious. Like, it's got pops, so you can pop off jumps and road gaps and stuff. And it just about deals with, like, really rattly... You know, I took it down deep navigation. Like, no bother. You know, there were bikes in my test where I was nervous going down deep nav. But Trek, less travel than pretty much any of the other bikes. In theory, like a lightweight bike. And, yeah, no no worries. Well, it sounds like for the both of you, then, that uh, at the end of the day, the bikes that give you the most fun are the bikes that made it to the top of the list. There you go. There's your theme, Tom. There's your your recurring theme. Ah, There we go, yeah. Trends, trends. What bikes are good? Fun bikes. Yay. Yay. Fun bikes. And maybe we should talk a little bit about about, um, Rob's enduro bike test. Mm. Um, Now, Luke, I I know you've got access to um, to the PDF. So I do here. So here I have kind of the uh, the last page with the three um, highest scoring bikes in their position. So um, if you want me to go through those, then I can read them out. Um, well, I can't give as much detail and explanation as you guys have done uh, uh, describing your top three bikes. Um, we need Rob here for that, but I can I can tell you what has come where. Definitely, let's so, hear it. So, uh, in third place, it goes to the Canyon Talk Mullet CF8, which is a, it's an interesting one. That one, isn't it? That, that's a that's a coil shocked um, kind of like park style bike, almost, isn't it? It's got a lot of travel. That thing, it's 180 mil, I think, off mm. the top of my head. Um, you know, clearly a massively capable bike to ride there you know i, I think that you know it'd probably be amazing fun on the descents and and um probably quite quite comfortable winching back to the top i think it's got a pretty steep seat tube angle um is it it's the carbon one isn't it luke so yeah so this is the cf8 so i mean rob's roundup says here like geometry and spec are top notch um and this is it's just seriously capable so 
I say it's uh, it's got a whole lot of travel on it. Um, and he says, yeah, super fun for kind of just any type of terrain, really. So, um, yeah, an impressive bike. It is it is a, a, yeah, the mullet setup he had, so a bit more of a part bike, maybe. Um, and they do the torque in a full 29er now. Um, so for those that wanted two big wheels, I think, you know, that's an option as well. Um, more perhaps Endura race orientated. And saying this Canyon have just released their Strive, which is a, a full on race bike that's uh, no hold bars. They've been very unapologetic in that's uh, not for those who don't want to go or for, for anyone who's just happy to bruise around. That's probably not the bike for you. Oh, that, that, so counts, the, uh, that counts us all out then, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we like fun bikes, that's not that. fast bikes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the Canyon Talk Mullet CF8 is, yeah, uh, in Robin's third position. Um, so in second place, it's going to be another runner-up medal for the white bike. So the white G180 RS MX. So another Muller option. Um, so Rob is, is kind of summed it up. So, uh, a formidable machine when going. A formidable machine when the going gets rough. The white packs a serious punch when it comes to spec, confidence, and fun on the trails. So yeah. that's how he's. Uh, I mean, I, I suspect that probably rides, you know, in a similar way to the to the E one eighty. The number actually referring to fork travel rather than than rear shock travel, which is an interesting thing with with white bikes. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. what do they call their hardtails? Um, oh, yeah, they've got forks, haven't they? Yeah, they've got forks, pals. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, uh, Tom's handing in his technical editor badge as we speak, <laughs> uh, and the technical edi- poli- editor police uh, knocking on the podcast studio <laughs> door. Um, yeah, so that, that's another mullet bike, then, isn't it? That one um, coming in second place there. So de- definitely a, a theme, a theme beginning to emerge. Indeed. So, um, so the Kenya got four stars. Uh, Robin scored the white with four and a half, um, mm. and the winning bike also gets four and a half. Um, and the winner, would you believe it? Uh, Nukeproof Giga 297 Elite. So three mullet bikes uh, taking first, second, and third in Robin's a mullet, huh? Enduro Bike of the Year. Yeah. There we are. And so, a, a strong showing from Nukeproof in all of our tests. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We've, uh, we had a bit of a joke around about this, didn't we, Tom? Where <laughs> at, at one point we were kind of concerned that actually nuke one not concerned it was completely coincidental but the nuke proof was going to win all three categories both run thing oh yeah well done to nuke proof good year for uh, their bikes uh but yeah so a, a, a quick um quick poor quote for that is just i think robin says that the swagger this machine exclude uh exudes excuse me when they go and gets rough elevates confidence when you need it most so i guess that bike is as an Endura bike, extremely capable. It's had a. Uh, it was developed for the EWS, so you can see why it's probably um, pretty handy when uh, when trying to charge as fast as you can down a hillside. Yeah, and I, I think um, last year the the Giga just missed out being included in mm. Enduro Bike of the Year. Uh, the timings with it being launched and a, a few other bits and bobs meant that um, Rob wasn't able to include it. So this year is debut showing. Um, you know, it's clearly a clearly a bike worthy of worthy of attention. I think the Mega did well last year. Yeah, it did. I think, it just, yeah, right. think Newproof just make good bikes. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hardly a surprise, is it, when you look at their roster of riders that they've got, uh, yeah, you know, true. and designers and everyone else that's kind of working on the brand. Um, yeah. They've got some serious talent there, I think. Well, I think, I know. I mean, you know, Sam Hill just as one name to, to drop. Yeah, interesting stuff. And it's also interesting that um, all of our bikes, uh, I think, scored four and a half out of five. So not perfect. Nothing perfect. If only that Norco Shaw that you recently reviewed. <laughs> I hey, can't remember the last five I gave to a bike. So I was going to say, so when can when does our bike of the year drop then? When can people go out and pick up the magazine? Do we know when that is on sale? Well, this podcast is being broadcast, if I look at my schedule, on the uh, 16th of May. And I believe that's a Friday. Oh, no, that's a Monday. And I believe MBUK 408 uh, is going to be on sale uh, somewhere between the 13th to the 15th of May. So it should be, by the time you hear this, it'll be on It'll be on the shelves because we can't put the podcast up before it's actually live because um, there's hierarchies of importance in MBUKs at the top. So the calendar telling me Friday the 13th of May is uh, when you'll be able to... Uh, check all the reviews out from all the eight bikes in the three categories. They'll be drip feeding their way onto bikeradar.com with full. Uh, obviously, the magazine gets cut down reviews um, because we can't fit. Uh, well, <laughs> I think if Al's <laughs> reviews <laughs> were put ad verbatim straight into MBUK, it would fill MBUK and probably Cycling Plus as well. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking, Al. Uh, full reviews are in bike, uh, will be on Bike Radar and be drip fed onto the site uh, in the coming weeks. Um, and also we've got some videos going up onto the YouTube channel too. Um, we've been looking at the top three bikes from each category on YouTube. Um, so yeah, content across all our titles. Um, and also just a little plug here, hopefully fingers crossed on Tuesday tomorrow, um, we'll be talking about our road bike of the year, uh, winning bikes, which is obviously done in conjunction with cycling plus magazine, um, our drop barred friends over, over there. Yeah, who have also they've also been been working working hard in the same way that we have. Very to, hard, yeah. And I, th- I think the the drop bar bike of the year categories are stacked, aren't they? They have an mm. enormous number of bikes that they've tested this year, yeah. um, with with winners in multiple categories. So it's going to be a really interesting interesting test that one, and I'm I'm excited to find out because I actually don't know don't know who's winning what there at all. Mm. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap up there, guys. And thank you very much for your time and uh, sharing your thoughts in such details. Um, hopefully, everyone can get something. <laughs> hopefully, everyone can get something out of it, and we'll go and uh, and check out the rest of the reviews uh, in MBUK and online when they're there. Great. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends, or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 